live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho. Duro, Parlay, Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more. You are tuned into the entertainment edition of the ODPH, and we definitely want to interact with you. So make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on our social media accounts. They're all right there on the front page. They can't be made any easier for you to follow, interact, and definitely talk about the topics we talk about each and every episode. You also can check out Parlay Points, the blog section of the show, where we have some wrestling there for the wrestling fans, new comic book reviews that are dropping this week, so you definitely want to see what's the absolute must-grabs at the LCS. Also, the classified section, the directory, the music, the T Public Store, which currently this week, it's slated to have a sale. So if you want to get some ODPH swag, and I hope you do, now is a perfect time to get it for less. How, how easy do we make that, Pat? Uh, I can't make it any easier. That's right. So for anything and everything that is the ODPH, swing on over to ODPHpodcast.com. That being said, let's kick off the entertainment edition of the show, recapping the fallout from the Warner Brothers Discovery Conference call. Yeah, so this was the earnings call that uh, every publicly traded company does probably about four times a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, basically says, hey, here's how we're doing financially. You know, here's what we made. Here's what we spent. Here's what, what we got in debt. You know, and, and it's basically just a upfront way that they're legally required to do so, so that you, the investor, if you are an investor or potentially investing, can sit there and go, am I making a wise investment with my money or should I take my money elsewhere? Uh, you know, most of the times, uh, most people don't care about earnings call, but, uh, but when it comes to the media companies, you know, the Disney's and the, and the HBO's and what have you, there's, t- there's typically some interest with it because sometimes they'll announce some stuff. Sometimes they'll say, Hey, we got this coming. Hey, we're going to do this. We're going to do X, Y, and Z. Uh, and there was some special intrigue with Warner Brothers Discovery, given the news we talked about last week, with the sudden cancellation of the almost finished uh, Batgirl film. Yes. So obviously when news trickled down about the cancellation of the film for a quote-unquote tax write-off, mm-hmm. there was a lot of outrage about this, and rightfully so. I think the fans have a perfect right to complain about this. I know Kevin Smith was very vocal about it. And it just didn't really add up to us as fans. Mm-hmm. But as they're trying to explain in this conference call, we did get a little more information about that and some more. So, Pad, let's break down why this is such a newsworthy segment. Well, and this, one of the reasons this is such a newsworthy segment is this is the first instance we got some kind of concrete, sort of solid, like the concrete's not fully solid, but it's it's solidifying uh, news as to what's going to happen with HBO Max and Discovery+. Plus. Uh, so reading from an article on IGN.com, it reads, quote, Warner Brothers Discovery, the hulking monster born of the recent merger between Discovery Inc. and AT&T's Warner Media, has unveiled an outline of its plan to merge its HBO Max and Discovery Plus streaming services in the next year. Per the company's earnings call, we can expect them to smash together into their new form in the summer of 2023. 
The rollout will begin in the U.S. in the summer, followed by Latin America later in the year, European markets that have HBO Max already in early 2024, followed by more launches later that year. It's not yet known what they're calling this new service, but at one point in the call, we heard some significant hints that it may not include HBO in the title. Uh, Though pricing for the new merged service has not yet been shared, we did uh, learn that for now, the company is going to focus on ad-supported and ad-free versions of its service. But down the line, it also intends to explore the free ad-supported space. And it also sounds like at least some uh, users might get hit with price increases too. Without giving numbers, we were told the company is, quote, shifting away from heavily discounted promotions and that it's planning price increases, particularly in certain international regions where we are well below market, as well as periodic price increases over time. Later on in the call, when asked about a a migration plan for subscribers of the cheaper Discovery Plus service, we heard that Warner Media Discovery is planning to give some sort of transition period for lower priced subscribers to move up. But at some point, we'll have to ensure subscribers move to the inevitable higher price point in a relatively short period of time. Short period of time. Uh, with over 92 million subscribers currently, WarnerMedia Discovery is expecting that these, along with a number of other strategic changes, will push it to 130 million subscribers worldwide by 2025. While it also works to seemingly cut costs by putting multiple projects on the chopping block and potentially laying off employees, close quote. So there's a lot to digest with this. Mm-hmm. Because obviously HBO Max has been doing fairly well with the streaming. Fairly well, and I and I saw some numbers from like a study or like a survey that was done that like in terms of user satisfaction, mm-hmm. that like HBO Max is either number one or number two with like a ninety one or ninety two percent user satisfaction rate when it comes to the service itself. Yes, it's very easy to use. There's a lot of content on there, and obviously anytime that you see two big companies like this are coming together. You expect a merger. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know about you, Pat. I kind of felt a little bit uneasy about this, but also at the same time, I did expect a lot of this, especially when you're talking about the tier plans of the ad sure. free and ad not. Sure. I mean, I was a little more interested in just what was going to happen with it, you know, just because, you know, my parents, I have HBO Max through my parents because my parents have an HBO subscription through their cable provider, you know, so I get it that way. So I was more interested, like, okay, what is this going to mean? How is this going to work? You know, because my mom, a big fan of, you know, the Discovery Plus shows, you know, the stuff on Discovery Plus. So Mm. she she has Discovery Plus, you know, so she's a she's a big fan of that. I know she has that. So it's going to be interesting just to see, you know, we might just have to drop her subscription to Discovery Plus and just use the eight. If they continue to offer it through the HBO subscription, hey, we're fine and clear whatever, you know, so that was more my interest with it was what does it mean for this going forward, you know? And, and where is it going to be? You know, all, I don't really care for the Discovery stuff myself. I mean, the history, it's got the History Channel stuff, if I'm not mistaken, which I like some of the History Channel stuff, mm-hmm. you know, but the rest of it I don't really care about. So that was my main interest with it. Yeah, I mean, currently on Discovery Plus, you have such networks as A&E, Lifetime, yep. History, Discovery, Originals, uh, TLC, just to name yeah. a few. Yeah. So that getting merged with the Warner Brothers content that's currently now on HBO Max does seem like a right fit. Sure. But with all the rumors, especially about the tax cut coming with mm-hmm. dropping Batgirl. Right. I think for any fans of the comics and 
you know, properties like that, I think you have to be a little, you know, a little nervous about what's coming up. Right. Well, yeah, Batgirl was canceled. The upcoming sequel to the Scoop movie was was in the same boat that Batgirl was. That those direct the director of that film said it was done. I think he said the only thing they had left to do was maybe the score. Mm-hmm. And then there was also some kids television show that was on HBO Max. I, I forget the name of it, but there was there was a kids television show that also the director and or the executive producer of that show was very shocked to learn because much like the other two instances was also done. Yeah, so it was really interesting to see how this is all playing out, and especially with projects that are done. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's a key thing to take away from this is yeah. the Warner Brothers Discovery has shown that they're not afraid to cancel stuff that's already been invested in. Well, and, th- and that was one of the things they kept reiterating or kept, like, implying, you know, because I found a live stream on YouTube that was carrying the, the earnings call. And the one thing they kept bringing over, bringing up over and over again, was like not making the same choices as the last regime, and and making a turn away from some of the choices of the last regime. Mm-hmm. You know, which I felt like it was a very deliberate choice of phrasing. Yeah, no, it was very, very clever of how they're doing that. But especially with the projects that they announced canceling the Wonder Twins yeah. uh, film, yeah, that's now officially dead in the water. Yeah, Kevin Smith's uh, Strange Adventures, yeah. that he was connected with, that's now done as well. Yeah. We still know that Green Lantern uh, admits a lot of reports that have came out over the past 48 hours that we've seen allegedly is still up and running. Believe it when I say it. Given the way they're going and just how quiet that's been since they announced it, believe it when I say it. Yeah, no, like I say, there's a lot of multiple sites that are, are saying that, no, that's still going. But we have to really see once this new merger develops what's going to be the fallout. There's so much original content right now that's on – via the DC uh, universe mm-hmm. that got absorbed in HBO Max. Yeah. So you have to think about shows like Titans and right. Doom Patrol. Right. Stargirl's already been transferred to the CW, so that's already been taken off the board. Swamp Thing, that's always kind of been a, a very weird situation as well. Mm-hmm. But with the properties that they have lined up, this is a time that fans have been very, very careful about getting invested in to see these projects come to the screen. Sure. For me, it's a no-brainer. I think they should still go through and do these. Sure. But if they're worried about doing tax write-offs, this this has to be alarming if you're a fan of a certain franchise or if you're expecting to see a project that's no longer rumored come to light. Well, and I know you brought up Stargirl, but even that one I think you have to be a little trepidatious of because, yeah, it's on CW, but as of this recording, uh, Paramount, CBS, and Warner Brothers still have like 50-50 split of that network but they are in the midst of talks to sell it to Nexstar. So then it gets the whole complicated mess of, okay, well, Nexstar owns the channel, but the rights are owned with Warner Brothers Discovery. Then you get a whole mess with that. So as if that mess wasn't already convoluted enough, mm-hmm. it's about to get a giant monkey wrench thrown into the whole damn thing. Oh, yeah. You know, so I, I think outside of uh, Superman and Lois, because he, uh, David Zlaslav kept reiterating, you know, throughout, the earnings call that all oh, they've got to, you know, especially when it comes to the DC stuff that they got to focus on, they got to have a big focus on D- the DC stuff. And he kept bringing up Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. He kept mentioning Superman. I think at this point, the only project from DC, you know, that isn't one of the movies co- that isn't, you know, the Joker film or any of the other big DC movies coming out in terms of the television shows. I think Superman and Lois is safe and past that up in the air. Yeah, that's the one thing that I think we can definitely agree upon. Superman and Lois might be the only thing that's untouchable right now on the CW. Right. 
Gotham Knights, we're hearing a lot of conflicting rumors yeah. about their future. And the high talk is, I guess, if you want to buy into the rumors, is that's not going to see the light of day. Maybe. Which, I mean, personally, after seeing that trailer, I, I, I'm not going to lose any sleep about it. I was not no. impressed with what I saw. No, neither was I. But this is another situation where the fans have to kind of see what they're <laughs> going to be doing here, especially with that whole 10-year film plan announced. Yeah. That... You got a little more details about that, Pat? Yeah, I do. So, again, uh, reading from an article on IGN.com, it reads, quote, Warner Brothers Discovery's ideas for its DC movies are becoming a little clearer after CEO David Zlaslav announced there will be a codified plan for the future of DC movies. As part of Warner Brothers Discovery's quarterly financials, CEO David Zlaslav took the stage uh, to answer questions about the company's future, particularly in light of the news uh, that it was canceling Batgirl despite the movie being mostly finished. Rather than announce any kind of retreat for DC movies, Zlaslav instead says the company has done a reset and will follow a 10-year plan uh, plan just for DC that will be similar to what Disney and Kevin Feige have done for Marvel. Uh, he said, quote, we have done a reset. We've restructured the business where we're going to focus, uh, where there will be a team with a 10 year plan focusing just on D.C. It's very similar to the structure that Alan Horn and Bob Iger put together very effectively with Kevin Feige at Disney. Uh, Zlaslav says the hope is to build a long term, much stronger, sustainable growth business out of D.C., and that the company is going to focus on quality over quantity. Uh, He said, quote, we're not going to release any film before it's ready. We're not going to release a film to make a quarter. We're not going to release a film. The focus is going to be how do we make each of these films in general as good as possible, close quote. Uh, The Warner Brothers Discovery CEO cited films already in the works like Black Adam, Shazam, and Flash as films the company are all very excited about. Quote, We've seen them. We think they're terrific, and we think we can make them even better. Close quote. Uh, there will be plenty of questions as to the future of DC movies after it was announced Batgirl will not be released in theaters or HBO Max. Uh, the film, which cost $90 million, already finished filming and had uh, had a cast that included Leslie Grace, J.K. Simmons, Brendan Fraser, and Michael Keaton. Uh, you also uh, had HBO Max also began quietly removing other movies from its streaming service, sparking concerns the studio won't, would be backing away from original scripted content. But Zlaslav has cited DC, particularly characters like Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman as pillars of the newly formed Warner Brothers Discovery. Uh, Close quote. Uh, So we have no idea what it means for the future going forward, but all they would say is that for Shazam, Aquaman, and The Flash, those are coming. I would have to imagine Joker 2 with uh, Joaquin Phoenix and Lady Gaga is coming. Otherwise, they wouldn't have announced, you know, the release date and that Lady Gaga was joining the cast. You know, but I think in terms of, you know, where we get in the future with the DC films is a wait and see. But even still, I'm I'm skeptical because mm-hmm. we were in literally this exact same goddamn position in like 2014, 2015. Yeah. On a w- earnings call with Warner Brothers talking about DC where they announced Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice directed by Zack Snyder 2016. Suicide Squad, directed by David Ayer, 2016. Wonder Woman, starring Gal Gadot, 2017. Justice League Part 1, directed by Zack Snyder with Ben Affleck, Henry Cavill, and Amy Adams reprising their roles, 2017. The Flash, starring Ezra Miller, 2018. Aquaman, starring Jason Momoa, 2018. Shazam, 2019. 
Justice League Part 2, directed by Zack Snyder, 2019. Cyborg, starring Ray Fisher, 2020. And Green Lantern, 2020. We were in this exact same position in 2014-2015. And we're in a fucking mire of shit and just a mess all these years later. So I'm sorry, Warner Brothers Discovery, if I'm sounding a little skeptical, but I've been burned once by this. No, that's completely understandable. And uh, Pad, that's an honest take. I think that you have every right to be like that because there's a lot of DC fans that are like that. We need to remember, though, in this day and age, not everything is Marvel MCU. Sure. There is room for other superheroes in this theatrical stratosphere. Mm Mm-hmm. And there is a very, very strong contingent that want to see these DC characters on screen. Not just Batman, not just Superman, not just Wonder Woman. Sure. There are fans that really want to see this expand like how Marvel did. Because Marvel set the blueprint. Warner Brothers has never really had that plan (laughs) set up like you touched upon. We've been through here before and it hasn't come to fruition. Yep. But obviously they didn't have it planned out like Marvel did in the beginning. Marvel has always had this endgame to get to an established universe where you have so many different films and TV shows all connected, all under one Kevin Feige. Mm-hmm. Now you're seeing Warner Brothers is, is finally going to start trying to hit the reset button with that to a degree, bringing over Alan Horn like you touched upon, right? who comes from the Feige camp to Warner Brothers. That's a big move, and I think that that can only help them out uh, tremendously. Yeah. It's being reported by giant freaking robot mm-hmm. that Dwayne The Rock Johnson is being made an advisor, quote-unquote, to the DC Studios. We need to remember that it's no longer just Warner Brothers Studios. The DC Comics universe, according to films, has now been rebranded as DC Studios. And if you even try going on the website, it's now officially DC.com. The comics have been dropped. What that means for the future of the comic book brand, stay tuned. But I don't think it's going to be anything too major. I think what it ultimately ties back to is what this conference call was trying to perceive. They're rebranding and they're trying to sell everybody that this is a new regime. We're going to do things different. We're going to definitely set the pace. We want to establish that we're going to be able to contend with the marvels of this theatrical universe. We want to have content that makes sense. Obviously, there's going to be some shakeups we're, go- we're talking about. Walter Hamada is rumored to be stepping down after Black Adam. Well, he got, he got well, maybe. We'll yeah, that's, that's we'll why I said see. rumored. We'll see because the reports were he was real pissed after the announcement that Batgirl was going to be canceled and was ready to quit on the spot, mm-hmm. but was talked out of it, and he's agreed to stay on through Black Adam and then once, you know, up to when Black Adam comes out, and then he'll assess then. So time's uh, ticking on that old countdown timer. Oh, exactly, because Black Adam's still slated to come out later this year. Yeah. And there's and it's this year is flying by. So barring any, you know, real change, I think the DC is going to definitely make a move. And I could definitely see them putting somebody else in that role. Nothing against Amada. But I think that what the powers that be want to do is really establish some kind of cohesiveness amongst their projects and what they want to do in this current stage. And this is what happens every time you have a new business take over. They want to establish their brand first. And I think that bringing in Alan Horn, bringing in people that have been connected to Marvel to see how they did it is the smart play. Now, do I think they're going to go DCU overnight? No, absolutely not. But I think where you might see the the biggest change happen is possibly at the end of Shazam 2. Maybe. Because you think about the movies that are still supposed to be released by them. Mm -hmm. We know Black Adam is due out in October. Yep. We know Shazam is. We saw the trailer, so we know that that is still on board. Yep. Aquaman two, we know is more or less all set to go. It's. it's I would imagine it's done. 
You yeah. know, it's in the can. Everybody's being real quiet, quiet about it. So we're just going to kind of roll with it. But after that, it's more or less a wide open slate. The only thing, the only thing we know for certain is uh, Joker foil a do, you know, with Lady Gaga. Right. That, as, that, that's the only thing past these three films that we know of that they're working on. Exactly. So after this, it's going to be a whole new reset, a whole new ball game. And what DC really needs to do here is work with the powers of B to establish some kind of balance. And you want to make sure that everything is not so shaky. Yeah. Everything is laid out as much as you can do. I mean, obviously, things change for reasons. Sure. But with them announcing they have a 10-year plan, it's, and with some of the moves that they've done already, to me, it sounds like they're taking steps, albeit baby steps, in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And I can be definitely happy about that. Well, and, and the thing of it is, is, I've said it before, I'll say it again, you know, with this whole new structure and this 10-year plan, Warner Brothers Discovery you need to keep your goddamn grubby little paws the fuck off the work. Mm-hmm. Look at how it's. Well, you want to mar. You want to uh, mar- uh, make it after Marvel and Disney and how they did things. Disney might have a little input, like, "Hey, we think you should do X, Y, or Z," but they don't tell you what stories you should do. They don't tell you who you should cast for in certain roles or what you should do, and it's worked out beautifully. It's been well documented that Warner Brothers has had their grubby little paws over everything related to these films over the last 10 years and it's blown up in their face hilariously you know or even sadly i would say you know so warner brothers discovery if anyone in the front office there is listening keep your fucking paws off of it just be the parent who's given their kid an allowance and and how much money they need you know and i think it'll work for you but what makes me afraid that they're not going to be able to do that was one of the financials that was mentioned in the earnings call and then if you don't believe me, I've got the screenshot that was provided during the earnings call. Hit me up on Twitter. I will send you the screenshot from the earnings call, uh, which it says uh, the, the screenshot on the PowerPoint says, quote, the title on, the, on it says supportive balance sheet to drive long term shareholder value as of June 30th, 2022 in billions. Debt structure, fixed debt, 53 billion dollars in debt with this company now obviously a lot of that is from the merger and some of that stuff but regardless they're still in the hole 53 billion dollars so in terms of anything and this goes aw or warner brothers discovery dc they're going to start looking to make cut and cost because hey they said they're expected to have paid down six billion dollars of that debt by the end of august congratulations You've paid off $6 billion of the debt. You still got 40 plus billion dollars on that fucking tab, my guy. Yeah. So part of me wants to say, hey, DC or Warner Brothers, you want to be successful with your DC films? Keep your grubby little paws off of it. But then the cynical side of me looks at it and goes, they're not going to be able to because they got to wipe 40 some odd billion dollars off the slate. And they're going to want to do that ASAP. Oh, they're going to want to do it ASAP, but I think that's that's why they're bringing in people to kind of help write that ship. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that we, I understand what you're saying completely, and I do agree. Their big thing is getting rid of that debt. At the end of the day, this, the two biggest things from this conference is Warner Brothers, uh, HBO Max, and Discovery are merging the streaming. Sure. And the debt and how they're going to fix it. Well, and the, and the thing to keep in mind, too, is that debt is the bills are all paid and they're in the hole. Yeah. You know, they're, they're saying, oh, they're operating at a loss. Well, you know, they might be. But it's, hey, they've paid all the bills. They're in the hole. They're in the hole, but they have to find a way out. But they're at least taking the steps. Like, that's the one promise that I got from this as well. It sounds like, at least on paper, 
that they're taking steps in the right direction. It sounded real good in 2014, 2015, and, well, we got burned. Right. Well, that's the big thing that we have to watch as fans moving forward, that we don't have another re-up. Because if we go down the same road again for D.C., it's only going to get worse. And I'm not talking about the Snyderverse people coming out of the woodwork and you know that whole social media movement. I am talking about if they don't get it right this time and you have people that know what they're doing, you have one of the biggest action stars on the planet on board to advise you. Mm -hmm. And it sounds to me from reading that statement, he might be the new face of the franchise moving forward. Right. If you drop the ball now, are you ever going to get back up? I don't think so because, let's face it, these are some of the most profitable characters in entertainment history. Mm Mm-hmm. The fact they've been around for as long as they have, you know, Batman and Superman around since the 30s, maybe even the 20s, whatever the hell it is, you know, but the fact that they've been around for essentially 100 years now and they're still going, they haven't fallen by the wayside. They're not, you know, seen in museums as, oh, hey, remember these? No, I don't. Grandpa, what were they about? You know, they're still around. You should be able to print fucking money at the drop of a hat and as much money as you need without having to think. Let's face it. DC and Warner Brothers have been fucking this up for 20 years. I'm sorry, putting Catwoman in a movie should be real goddamn easy if you figure it out, but you fucked it up with the Halle Berry film. Mm-hmm. You fucked it up with the Green Lantern film spectacularly. As much as I love Brandon Routh, that movie fucking sucks. Yeah, you know, Superman, Superman Returns. Mm-hmm. You know, the one hit you the one hit or hits, if depending on how you want to look at it you had was the Nolan films mm-hmm. because, but let's face it. Christopher Nolan is a director far and above anybody else in Warner brothers, you but, know, but they've been fucking this up for 20 years. You had one good hit with man of steel. I think most people universally agree. Man of steel was a good movie. Yeah. The varying degrees of how good you think it was, but by and large people agree. It was Major- good. I say majority loved it, but then you had Batman V Superman fucking sucked. Well, they, they, they complicated that way too much. That was the problem with that one. Justice League sucked. Yeah, for various reasons. War, uh, Wonder Woman was good. Mm-hmm. You know, Wonder, Wonder Woman was good. Aquaman was good. But by and large, the track record, they've been fucking this up for 20 years. So I've got no faith in them fixing this. Yeah, well, that's, you know, and that's nothing wrong with that statement, Pat, because that's the one thing we have to look at. And can they rewrite the ship? And, you know, and honestly, their track record hasn't been great. I'm looking at it like the optimist, though. And the only way I say it is it looks like they've added the right personnel this time that if they can't do it, they're not going to do it. But we have to give the benefit of the doubt. If they're smart and just go all in on Dwayne The Rock Johnson and see what pull he can do, bring people in, make something happen, because everything he's touched right now has gone to gold, that's the only win that DC is going to have right here. And if you can establish something not borrowing the MCU formula per se – but at least have a blueprint down of what you want to do to grow your universe. This could be a win. But if they go back the, the same way, it's going to fail. Because when you try doing Batman versus Superman, you, and that was way too complicated of what Zack Snyder was trying to do because there's a lot of moving parts going on with that. Justice League is a whole different ball of wax, like I said, for various reasons. If they don't get it right this time, they're never going to. But I think, though... On paper right now, as we record, and I, I'm stressing this point, I think they have enough people in the right positions that they could make a move. It just depends on if they can execute. But this is like any kind of business deal you see. If you have the wrong people in place, you're going to make those mistakes. And obviously, the track record has not justified it thus far. But coming out of this earnings call, I think there's a lot more promise than there was. 
albeit though I think they've already taken some misfires, Batgirl is probably the biggest one. Mm-hmm. So now where do you go from here to win fans back? That's the ultimate question. Final thoughts on that, Pat? Uh, listen, I want DC to do well. You know, it might sound like I don't, but I do. Superman is my all-time favorite superhero. I'm just tired of the mismanagement and the bullshit and fucking this up for the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. He did great with the Christopher Reeve films. He did great with, you know, the, the Michael Keaton and the Val Kilmer films. The, the Clooney movies? Yeah, well, you know. Uh, you know, but in that, but in terms of like everything in the 2000s up until Man of Steel, fuck you. You know, outside of the Nolan films, the Nolan films are, are fantastic. But please, for the love of God, stop fucking this up. I think coming out of this call, it's a double-edged sword. I think there's a lot of promise. I think with some of the hiring they've done and some of the moves that they have made behind the scenes, I think that they're trying to rewrite the ship's course. That's a good thing. I think they've also taken some hits on the way, though. The Batgirl debacle has just blown up in their face tremendously. Why you're throwing away $70 million to get a 20 or $90 million to get a a tax cut that's not going to really do that much? Beyond me, but I don't write those checks, so it's not coming out of my my savings. So doesn't bother me that much. But I think though, seeing where the direction is going, there is some promise, but there is some caution. The next few years is going to be the real tell sign because everything can look great on paper, but then when you look at it up close, has the paper already been shredded? That's the argument we have here. Mark my words: if they fuck this up a third time, there's no coming back. Yeah, no, I agree. They're with done. You. I agree with you. The, with the, like I say, the powers that be that they have in place right now, currently as we're recording, that's the deal that they need to do. And especially if you don't capitalize now, like I say, if you have the Rock fully all in, that's been rumored that he's allegedly an advisor now, which is a smart move, absolutely smart move. You're never going to get this right. The only thing you're going to do is get a, a great Batman film every couple of years, and that's it. And that's a sad state to be involved in. So hopefully they're going to turn the ship around. That being said, we gave you our take and reaction to the WBD conference call. Mm-hmm. A lot of news to digest there. A lot of opinions getting thrown out there. So hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your takeaways from the conference call and the quote-unquote 10-year plan of DC? studios let's discuss shall we we're gonna take a quick break we'll be right back has this ever happened to you you're in bed drifting off and suddenly think who would win in a tug-of-war match between superboy and merlin did marvel ever try to make a long-haul trucker into a superhero how would it work out if i named my dog after a d-list supervillain the answers in order are merlin yes and amazing i'm jessica and i'm mike and we host the podcast Ten Cent Takes, a show that looks at weird, silly, and cool moments from comics and how they're woven into the larger fabric of history. Moments like the time Superman shield for Radio Shack. When Archie got tempted by the devil. Oh, and then there was that time that DC Comics gave a superhero AIDS in an effort to be topical. It's always weird around here, but we'd like to think it's also interesting. So come with us and commit random acts of pop culture archaeology, one issue at a time. If you'd like to learn more, head over to TenCentTakes.com. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and one movie that did not really get mentioned along that conference call, but made some headlines yet again for all the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. 
is the Flash movie. Well, I mean, it got mentioned, but it just got mentioned in that, you know, they've seen it, they're excited about it. But yes, no, the Flash, and more specifically, Ezra Miller, continue to be embroiled in controversy after controversy. And it's reaching the point where a lot of folks, I think ourselves included, are, how the fuck is this movie still coming out? Facts. Uh, So reading off of his Wikipedia page for a little backstory before I get into the most recent incident, uh, just to fill some of you in if you are not familiar with this uh, controversy saga to which I say... You're a lucky son of a gun. Dumpster fire is the way I define it. Yeah. Uh, So under his Wikipedia page, under the controversies and legal issues, which when you have an entire section of your Wikipedia page devoted to just controversies and legal issues, it's never a good thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, On June 28th, 2011, uh, disorderly conduct, it says on June 28th, 2011, in the midst of filming The Perks of Being a Wallflower, Miller was a passenger in a vehicle that was pulled over in Pittsburgh for a broken brake light. Police discovered 20 grams of marijuana in Miller's possession. The actor was initially charged with drug possession, but the charge was later dropped by a judge. Uh, they ins- uh, he in- uh, instead faced a penalty of $600 for two citations of disorderly conduct. Miller later remarked, quote, I don't feel like there's any need to hide the fact that I smoke pot. It's a harmless herbal substance that increases sensory uh, appreciation, close quote. Uh, so I'm just running through the whole list here. Uh, then we get into the stuff that really ties into how the fuck is this movie still happening? Because fun little factoid, in case you didn't know, the Flash movie was announced the same week that the Flash TV show first premiered. Mm-hmm. Flash season one, the pilot aired on October 7th, 2014. If the now the Flash, as we detailed last week, two weeks ago, whatever it is, the TV show is ending with season nine this coming year. Correct. If people's math are, are right on and they don't take a lot of breaks, or they take their normal amount of breaks. The TV, the TV show will be ending one week before the movie finally comes out. So this movie has been in development for literally the entire run of the television show. Yeah, which is absolutely mind-blowing. Which is fucking stupid. Uh, So this is the stuff, I think, that pertains really to the movie and how the fuck is this still happening. Uh, On June, or excuse me, on April 6th, 2020, a video surfaced in a since-deleted tweet that appeared to show Miller choking a woman and throwing her to the ground. The video was confirmed by Variety to have taken place at uh, Perico uh, Kifus, uh, a bar in Rijiak uh, that Miller frequents uh, when in the city. A bar employee identified the person in the video as Miller, who was escorted off the premises by staff after the incident. Uh, so, the, of course, that was in Iceland. Uh, on March 28, 2022, Miller was arrested in Hawaii following an alleged physical altercation with patrons after having hurled obscenities at clients at a karaoke bar uh, and was charged with disorderly conduct and harassment. Three weeks later, on April 19, 2022, Miller was again taken into custody for second-degree assault by Leilani Estates Subdivision Police Authorities in uh, Pahoa, which is in, let me hold my mouse over, uh, it's uh, in Hawaii, uh, for allegedly throwing a chair which hit a 26-year-old woman and left a half-inch cut on her forehead after being told to leave during a private get-together. Miller had been arrested 20 minutes after the attack during a traffic stop at the intersection of Highway 130 and Kuklua Street in Kiao. Uh, just hours after this second arrest, Miller pleaded no contest to the karaoke incident and was fined $500 for disorderly conduct by Judge uh, Kanani uh, Laubach. Uh, then you have uh, this little section called Relationship with uh, Tokata Iron Eyes. In June 2022, the Standing Rock uh, uh, Sioux Tribe, 
uh, tribal court issued a temporary order of protection against Miller on behalf of an 18-year-old activist, uh, Tokata Iron, Iron Eyes. Her parents, Chase Iron Eyes and Sarah Jumping, Jumping Eagle, requested the court ordered due to Miller allegedly using violence, intimidation, threat of violence, fear, paranoia, delusions, and drugs to hold sway over their child. The relationship between Miller and Iron Eyes, which began in 2016 when Miller was aged 23 and Iron Eyes was aged 12, and also included Iron Eyes flying to London in 2017 to visit Miller on the set of The Crimes of Grindelwald. Iron Eyes dropped out of school in 2021, allegedly to follow Miller. Her parents also alleged in court documents that Miller has caused had caused bruises on their child's body and that Miller had manipulated their child to believe she is, she is transgender. Text and video responses were later posted uh, on the Instagram believed to belong to Iron Eyes, denying her parents' allegation. However, the parents countered by claiming their child does not control her social media. Iron Eyes stated in the video response that it's her own choice not to have a phone. As of June 10th, 2022, law enforcement has been unable to locate Miller to serve them with an order. Miller then posted a message on their Instagram account mocking the court's attempts to find them, but has since deleted them. In August, Miller's former music collaborator, Oliver Oliver Ignatius, alleged that he had witnessed Miller verbally abuse Iron Eyes over her wearing makeup. Iron Eyes defended Miller by referring to the incident as queer dialogue and calling the allegation homophobic. On June 16th, 2022, a mother and her 12-year-old son were granted a temporary harassment uh, prevention order against Miller in Massachusetts after Miller alleged allegedly threatened the woman's family and showing inappropriate behavior towards the child. According to the mother and child, Miller, who was originally visiting a neighbor, showed up at the family's house unexpectedly while wearing a bulletproof vest and brandishing a gun before pestering the child uncomfortably uh, by uncomfortably touching the child's leg. Miller had known the family since February and had taken an interest in the child because of the style and maturity level. Miller allegedly offered to start a clothing line with the child and fund their attendance to a school uh, design school. According to the mother, Miller considered the child to be a powerful, mythical being and would be lucky to have Ezra to guide and protect them. Shortly before the uh, the order was granted in June, Miller allegedly arrived at the family's house dressed as a cowboy and attempted to buy the child horses. So that all leads us to the events that took place uh, (laughs) just the other day. Uh, which reading from an article on deadline.com, the headline reads, quote, flash star Ezra Miller charged by Vermont state police with burglary, quote, more tabloid mishaps for the star Ezra Miller, flash star Ezra Miller, as the Vermont state police have charged the actor with a burglary related to an incident in May. The police report reads on five, uh, one, 2022 at approximately 1755 hours. The Vermont State Police was notified of a burglary complaint at a residence on County Road in the town of Stamford, Vermont. The initial findings indicated that several bottles of alcohol were taken from within the residence while the homeowners were not present. As a result of an investigation that included surveillance videos and statements, probable cause was found to charge Ezra M. Miller with the offense of felony burglary into an unoccupied dwelling. Cops located the Fantastic Beasts star at 11.23 p.m. August 7th and issued a citation to appear in Vermont Superior Court 
Benning, Bennington Criminal Division on September 26th for arraignment on the burglary charge. The Vermont State Police worked with the Bennington County State's Attorney Office on the investigation. Uh, having weathered previous scandals so far, the, uh, the David Zlaslav run Warren Brothers Discovery has so far maintained that The Flash is still set for June 23rd, 2023 theatrical release. However, the latest turn of events in the Green Mountain State uh, could cause them to take a whole new lane. Deadline has reached out to Warner Brothers for a response, today, uh, response to today's charge and will update accordingly. Uh, close quote. So with all that being said, I guess the question I would be be raising is how the fuck is this movie even still coming out? Especially when going back to the earnings call, one of the things David Zlazov said was protecting the DC brand and doing what's right for the DC brand. Given the fact that Ezra Miller has been charged with alleged, you know, interactions with minors in the in that the parents are uncomfortable with it and him now being charged with felony burglary. How the fuck is this still happening? Like, how the fuck is this movie still? Oh, we're okay with it coming out. We're we feel it's right for this movie to come out. Well, that's the whole thing that we have the issue with is like this is the, I I started losing track with your name and all the incidents that have happened because obviously he's been tagged with this movie since he came out in the Justice League movie. Yep. And obviously they made the announcement of him being cast as uh, Barry Allen the day the r- ratings were released for, mm-hmm. from the TV show. So this movie has gone through a lot of uh, purgatory, if you will, already. Oh, I yeah. At one point, Grant Morrison, I believe, and him were, yeah. were working on a yeah. script. I believe together, I could be wrong about that statement. I know Grant was tagged to working on the script at one point, and we do know that it was finally uh, settled on the director of Andy Muschietti, mm-hmm. who worked on It, the latest remake of that. So that being said, the movie is done. Yep. It's Michael Keaton's returning. Allegedly, yep. they're doing Flashpoint. Yep. Say what you will about it. But with all the drama happening here with a star that is obviously needing, in my opinion, a lot of help. Yeah. How do you justify having this movie still come out? I, I, I can't understand it because you've got all this controversy and all these issues surrounding the main star of this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I know there's been rumors the last couple of days that they might rename the movie to Batman Flashpoint as just a way to kind of like divert controversy from it, which I say, listen, you, you can paint the turd whatever color you want. It still smells like a fucking turd, mm-hmm. you know, and that turd is the controversy and all the issues surrounding your star of this film. You know, the flat, you know, Batman ain't the focus of Flashpoint. The Flash is the focus of Flashpoint, you know, so you can call it whatever you want, but you're still going to have the specter of that hanging over. And listen, you can't control what the reporters and the television stuff asks. You know, if you bring out Michael Keaton or whoever else is in this movie to do a press run on GMA, Good mm-hmm. Morning America, or or the CBS Morning Show, or Entertainment Tonight, or they go to speak to Entertainment Weekly, or any of the you know Variety Deadline. You don't think Variety or Deadline ain't gonna ask them? So what do you think about all the controversy surrounding Ezra? Like they're gonna get asked about it incessantly, that that it's gonna become annoying for them, and it's gonna become something that they just can't escape. Exactly, and that's the problem that you have, especially with a company that's trying to rebuild their image with their fans. This is a just an extremely bad PR look, and I'm sorry that if you're going to cancel Batgirl and you have the same star in Michael Keaton in both films, right? it doesn't really make a lot of sense. If, if you're going to do that, then you you know at this stage, you might as well cancel this one too. I understand that there's a very big fa- Flash contingent. I get that. Sure. 
but is it worth the headache that you keep going through that you have a star that we see the negative effect when other celebrities get themselves in trouble and people are asking for so you know said people to get removed from movies what is the deal here that we are sitting here going okay Time in and time again, you've already just read the track record out. I mean, he the, Miller was literally arrested twice in one night. Yeah, which is a record that is slightly impressive yeah. for for not good reasons. Yeah. So where we stand here is, if you're saying that you're really excited about this film and you're really trying to sell this point, but yet you have a star that unfortunately can't keep himself out of trouble. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love to see a Flashpoint movie. You know, I I know they did a fantastic animated one back in the day. You know, which was the first time I had ever interacted or saw or, or heard of that story. So the the prospect of seeing a Flashpoint movie on screen, I'm hey, I'm all for it. I heard them doing. It. I'm like, hey, let's do it. Awesome. But I just can't sit there and, and be excited for it with all this nonsense going on. Well, that's the whole problem because obviously, if these actions are continuously happening, and unfortunately they are, it, it's a pattern. It's a yeah, it's a pattern. So where is the line drawn? Because now, with nothing getting really established about a, a punishment from Warner Brothers' perspective, this is or Warner Brothers' discovery, I should say, this is kind of alarming. Of the, the situation is where is the line drawn? Right. When when is enough enough? And when do you have such a star that is causing this big of a problem? Especially when you're in the midst of doing a ten year reset. Mm-hmm. I would say, in my opinion, this movie is expendable. I would say so. So at this stage, how much would this be for a tax break for you to scrap it? Mm-hmm. Because I don't understand how you can keep this going with all the trouble that's surrounding it. Well, and especially you know with all the negative press surrounding the main the film's main star, and all the money that has been sunk into this project, the fact that it's you know been in development for like nine, ten years or whatever it is, mm-hmm. will you honestly get your money back? By putting it out in theaters, because ultimately, at the end of the day, that's a that's a movie studio's ultimate goal with a movie is at the bare minimum. Like you want to make a profit on a movie or make a profit on anything you sell, obviously. But the bare minimum for a movie studio is to make your money back. Yeah. And and obviously the budget that's you know reported for this movie when it comes out or if it comes out isn't going to be the actual figure for what they've spent on the movie before it came out or when it went into pre-production or like when it went into production like that's the kind of unknown variable with this movie is how much did they spend you know the first five or six years they were working on this movie that like it went through director after director after director and writer after writer after writer you know will you honestly make your money back or is this just ultimately going to be a loss at the end of the day or and would it be better like we said write it off as a tax write-off and and eat the money I mean, that's the only option I think you can logically do, in my opinion, at this stage, because the pattern is there. And this, like I say, this is just our opinions about this. But what should be done is you need to set that example, because mm-hmm. otherwise, if this keeps going and this it turns into more instances, and yeah. I'm hoping not. I really am hoping I, not. Myself as well. But unfortunately, here we are. You need to really assess, is this really worth the trouble? And I understand The Flash is a big superhero. I understand Michael Keaton's involved. Yeah. But, hey, Michael Keaton was involved in Batgirl. This is true. So that you if you're using this comparison, you can't really say, oh, well, it's a different story. It really isn't. And you can say whatever you want about the Justice League and Ezra Miller being a part of that. But at the same time, the Snyderverse has already been confirmed dead. Mm-hmm. So if they want to keep him as Flash or recast, they can definitely pull – 
Oh, you know, they're absolutely recasting after this. Right. So it is almost a sense of like, listen, the movie is done. If you're not going to do any spinoffs from this, mm-hmm. just take the tax right off and wipe your hands clean of this. Which there was supposedly because Supergirl is in this film, mm-hmm. you know, and there was supposedly a Supergirl movie, movie. or TV series or something in the works after. I believe it's a movie. You know, that was going to come out of this. But given the recent cuts that Warner Brothers Discovery has been making, even that's up in the air as to whether it's going to happen or not. Yeah. And the sources I've read are currently leaning no. Yeah, so at this point, I think it's just su- suffice to say, with these latest actions, you can't really justify this movie. No, you can't. You can't. I mean, this is just our opinions about this. Obviously, the powers of be are going to try keeping it going, and, and if they if they keep trying to spin the whole, we're excited to see this, Yeah. how can you be excited when you're getting overshadowed by your star's allegations and actions? Yeah, which which were already hanging over them during the discu- the earnings call. Yeah. You know, and then not even a week later, a new one drops on them. Yeah. So where's the line drawn? And that's the question that we're asking about this, because if you're willing to cancel a movie that is in the can, it's outside of maybe outside of maybe a score for the movie. Yeah. Right. But we'll just say for all intents and purposes done. You have the same predicament with the flash. Right. One one major star is not getting themselves in any kind of trouble. Mm hmm. But yet here you are, and this is what's t- taken away from you trying to sell the fan base about how you're doing the hard reset. It's a very tricky situation, but I think it's ultimately one that Warner Brothers Discovery is going to get judged upon, whether they want to or not. But if you don't handle this the right way, and these instances keep happening, how are you going to try justifying to a fan base to go see this when you're when the star of the movie is the, the his actions are going to hover right over this? Like mm-hmm. it just it doesn't make any sense to me. So hopefully we'll see Warner Brothers Discovery make a decision about this once and for all. In the meantime, though, hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. The Flash movie is still coming out, yet there's still more trouble and a lot of drama looming overhead. So you as a fan, are you still excited to see this movie and why if you are? And then give us your thoughts. What do you think Warner Brothers Discovery should do with this? Should they cancel it and get a tax write-off for it? Should they keep going with it and hope everything turns out for the best? It's a great discussion, so let's have it. Hit us up on that hashtag. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, guys. My name is JT. What's up, everyone? I'm Darren. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Josh. Hey, guys. I'm Christian. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Dominic, and we're the East Coast Avengers. We're a group of five friends who get together weekly and talk about everything that's going on in the nerd universe. Whether you're a fan of Marvel, DC, Star Wars, video games, comics, or anything else nerdy that you can think of, we're the podcast for you. You can find us on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or whatever streaming platform you use to listen to your favorite podcasts on. You can also catch us on our YouTube channel where we release tons of content such as vlogs, unboxings, TV and movie recaps, and trailer reactions. So if those things sound good to you, then check out the East Coast Avengers podcast. We hope you enjoy. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And this Sunday, The Walking Dead World Returns. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Yes, so we are finally at the stage of the anthology series known as Tales of the Walking Dead. So Uh this will be kicking off on Sunday night. And there's a lot to digest with this show. Now, they did come with a strong panel at uh, San Diego Uh Comic-Con. We did see the first trailer. 
We got the synopsis for the first episode. So, Pad, you want to break that down? Yeah. So the synopsis on the first episode reads, quote, in a a road trip story, a reclusive prepper abandons his bunker in in search of a female prepper from his past. Along the way, he meets an unlikely ally who is his polar opposite. They team up in an effort to find their lost loved ones. So this is going to be a different kind of series, as we mentioned before. So they're going to dabble a little bit into the history of The Walking Dead. We might see some characters come back that we haven't seen in a long time. Might see some previous history with this. After seeing the trailer, though, Pad, I know that you got a lot of feelings about this. How are you feeling going into the show? You know, I'm optimistic. You know, the yes, the mainline series, you know, The Walking Dead has become a little stale and a little bland over the years. But this field to me is something new. It's something different. You know, and, and and it's got some real possible possibilities with it. You know, it's, it's a different look. It's it's possibly a look at some stuff in the universe we've never seen. You know, and I think it's an opportunity and an avenue to explore some stuff that could be really fun. I know they're not doing it for this season. I'm presuming they're going to do more than one season of this. Mm-hmm. But I think a real fun story to do would be, you know, what exactly happened during the time Rick was in a coma. You know, with with Shane and and Lori and and everybody else, you know, what happened on the farm prior to uh, Rick and his crew showing up, you know, just some of that stuff would be fun. It's definitely got to go into a different direction. I mean, I think that's the one thing with this world now is we're nearing the end of the flagship show. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Fear the Walking Dead is still going on. Yep. And then there's the numerous spinoffs because the show just won't die itself. And we have the Rick and Michonne show. We yep. have the Maggie and Negan one coming out. Then yep. there's the one with Daryl flying solo. Yep. So obviously this franchise keeps moving forward and is t- time and space that a lot of us are kind of questioning, is there enough interest to t- tune back in? I think anytime you dabble in the land of anthologies, I think there's some room to really grow and do some fun things here. Because let's face it, with the amount of history that is with the series, and obviously the comic wrapped up a couple of years ago, this is a situation where if you're really trying to ignite a fan base, you got to throw them something different. Mm-hmm. Doing anthologies gives you a lot more creative freedom to do things that you can do one-offs. You don't have to follow exactly how a storyline went unless you're right. involved in a character. But I think that this is where, according to what we've seen thus far from this show, they're not going to tie into anything. That you're no. going to see a lot of new characters in this TWD universe. The only thing I think we know is going to show up is uh, Alpha. Yes, is, is going to appear in the show. So, and from what the trailer showed, looks like we're going to get a little bit more of her backstory than what was shown in the mainline Walking Dead show. Correct, which I think is perfect. I think that that's something you can definitely utilize with this show. Mm-hmm. I think there's so many characters that we've seen from the early seasons, like T Dog and Merle yeah. and yeah. the Governor, that if you really want to dabble into their life before the zombie apocalypse, I'm sure yeah. there's some great stories to tell. Oh, especially the governor. Cause the governor, there was that like the three book series that came out, you mm. know, the first book really as the apocalypse went down and, and what happened, I think that would make a fantastic set of episodes. I think so too. I think that the, you have just so many possibilities to run with here that this show could definitely set that benchmark for it. Like we say, first season is only six episodes. I would imagine if it does well, they're going to come back for more. Uh huh. I would imagine so. And I just thought of a fantastic idea to have it take place out of universe, but have it have them do. You remember the episode from Batman the animated series? You know, if I would have caught him, mm-hmm. where it was all of the Batman's villains sitting around the poker table and telling stories about how they almost caught Batman. Do that, but with Walking Dead villains. See, like that would oh, be it. that would be, be interesting. That'd be so good. You get like. You get the governor, you get uh, Negan, you get Alpha, you get Beta. Oh, my God, that'd be so good. 
yeah, there's a lot of different ways that they can run with it. And that's something that I think if they dabble a little, a little fun like that, it would be a really cool thing to do. Even if they wanted to just take it into like somebody retelling the whole series. Sure. Just given that whole narration and just the wild moments that sure. happened with, you know, at one point TV's number one show on, yeah. on cable. Like in some weeks beating Sunday Night Football, mm-hmm. which was unheard of. Yes. So when you start mixing all of that in, this show could be a definite hit. It definitely can bring some fans back to the show because obviously at this stage, it's only the diehards that are staying with it. It's still a very notable fan base. Mm -hmm. Like don't get it twisted, but to really get some fans running back to this franchise, this show has to do well. Yeah. Because I think otherwise the other spinoffs that are coming have already got that fan base built in. Like, you know who's going to tune in to watch Rick and Michonne. You know who's going to tune in to watch Negan and Maggie. You know who's going to tune in to watch Daryl. Mm-hmm. You're not really growing that fan base with that. I mean, you might bring some old fans back that have tuned out. Right. But I think overall, you're not bringing new eyes on the prize, and especially with all these spinoff shows. Yeah, there, there's a few of them. That you need to really drive that point home. And there's so many different properties that they can dabble with, like you touched upon. I mean, me personally, I'm still hoping it's a Lee and Clementine show. Uh, Lee and Clementine would be real good. They need to do that. Or, it, or even if they just adopt that story from the video game. Yeah, I mean, if they did that, it could definitely play out very well, and they can definitely do some very, very unique factors into it. I mean, the Telltale games definitely did their own thing. Yeah. So if they wanted to go there, they could definitely go there. It just depends on how far creatively they can go. And obviously, AMC still has a lot of faith in this franchise mm-hmm. for all the or for all the shows that are coming out. Like, it's absolutely crazy to think that, okay, this can go down and this can definitely do some interesting pivots here because we can't drive this point home enough. They need to run with this. They need to dabble yeah. with it. And if they don't, and if they really don't pull this off, I don't want to say this franchise is dead in the water, but give me an incentive to keep watching this. Mm-hmm. Like That's the problem because if you don't give me one, I'm going to tune out. There's too much other stuff on TV right now that – Quite frankly, I don't need to worry about with this. I yeah. can definitely do something else if I wanted to. That's the one interesting thing now, especially them competing with all the different comic shows that are going on right now. They definitely want to keep a fan base in check. And if you want to start borrowing some stories, do some stories. Really run with this franchise. Really make it a must-watch again. Because other than Fear the Fear the Walking Dead, we don't know of any more uh, episodic ones coming right. out. Other than the main show? Yeah, no. So I personally just hope they do some really cool stuff here. I mean, I, my dream, to, too, with this, like I said, Leon Clementine is one. I'd also love him to see him do The Alien, which was, oh, one, yeah. of the, was only, one of the only comics, if not the only comic Robert Kirkman did not write. That was Brian K. Vaughn. And, it was the one set in Paris, right? Yep. I, you know what? I think they briefly alluded to or hinted that they're doing that in this upcoming season. I, at least I got the vibe off of one of the uh, clips of it. Well, it's a perfect story to do. It absolutely is because, like I say, it was a one-off in the comics, Brian K. Vaughn and Marcos Martin, and it's a very, very cool story. And if they and this and it fits perfectly for what they want to try doing here. So there's a lot to be excited about if you're a Walking Dead fan. Yeah, I'm looking at the cast for this show. The cast looks phenomenal. Break it down. Uh, so you in this show, you've got Anthony Edwards uh, playing Dr. Everett. Uh, Anthony Edwards, you might know as Goose from Top Gun. Uh, he was also Mark Green from uh, ER. 
Uh, you've also got uh, Parker Posey as Blair. Uh, you might know Parker Posey from such things as Scream 3, Superman Returns, Blade Trinity, or and Dazed and Confused. Uh, you've also got J- uh, Jillian Bell as Gina. Uh, you might know her from 22 Jump Street, Rough Night, Inherent uh, Vice, uh, or Office Christmas Party. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've also got Terry Crews. Enough said. Enough said. He's been in a ton of stuff. Olivia Munn. Also enough said, you know her from a ton of stuff. Psylocke. Yeah, Psylocke uh, was in the newsroom, was in a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, You've also got Poppy uh, Liu uh, uh, playing the character, there it is, uh, Amy. You might know her from uh, Hacks on HBO Max. Uh, She was also on Sunnyside, Better Call Saul, and uh, New Amsterdam. Uh, You've also got Danny Ramirez, who is playing Eric. You might know him from Assassination Nation, was in Top Gun Maverick, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, also in No Exit. Uh, You've also got Jesse T. Usher uh, playing the character Devin. You might know uh, Jesse from Independence Day, The Boys, A-Train. Yep. Uh, Was also in Shaft and Survivor's Remorse. Uh, you've also got uh, Samantha Morton playing the character Alpha, as we know. Enough said. And then you've also got Scarlet Blum as Lydia. Yeah, so they definitely have a stellar cast for yeah. these episodes. They're going to do some fun different things, and that's the whole point of this uh, episode, or I mean the segment. Yeah. The Walking Dead is still alive and kicking. Now, what direction they want to go in with, I think the anthology is the best way to go at this current stage. You're not going to go back and try doing another episodic one with the world that you have already established. No. You're closing the door on that, even though they're leaving a little uh, crack in it, so they can definitely do some spinoffs with some of your major franchise players. But overall, an anthology show and some different directions is what this franchise needs. If it's still going to be relevant and must-watch TV, they need to go in this route. And I hope that this does lead into some really cool stories to tell. Like I said, give me mm-hmm. the visitor. Give me Lee and Clementine. Yeah, Lee and Clementine would be good. I'll be there all day, every day. Uh, and we should note the release schedule is a little wonky because, hey, AMC Plus is a thing. Uh, so Thursday, uh, the uh, August 11th, if you are an AMC Plus subscriber, episode one is dropping. Uh, and then on Sunday, April, August 14th, uh, episode two is dropping. So every week. So it's, it's premiering on AMC Plus on Thursday. And then its normal release night is on Sunday. Episode one is airing on AMC at 9, 8 central on Sunday, August 14th. Definitely something to check out. So hit us up on the hashtag. Hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about Tales of the Walking Dead? Are you excited to see it? And why not if you are not? Let's have a discussion, especially if you want to see a certain character have their own solo episode. Put it, you know, let us know what you're thinking about this. We well, gave you say gave, fantasy book your ideal uh, spinoff episode. Yeah, let us know what you think. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds, and you're listening to ODPH podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name to the desert, the oceans, or the plains. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the OTPH Podcast. Pat, what you got? Got one thing to talk about. It's been kind of a slow news week, uh, but it was announced yesterday by the folks over at Paramount that we're getting a third Sonic movie. Uh, really? Yes. Yeah, so reading from an article on uh, Hollywoodreporter.com, it says, quote, 
Paramount is preparing for a Christmas boom. The studio announced Monday that Sonic the Hedgehog 3 will open in theaters on December 20th, 2024. Earlier this year, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 opened to a huge $72.1 million and a major boost for the domestic box office recovery, and particularly for family films. The movie went on to gross more than $401 million at the worldwide box office, a tidy sum considering the recovery was just getting started in Ernst. Uh, Sonic 2 was one of the few films of the COVID-19 era to open ahead of its predecessor. Uh, other bragging rights, it scored the biggest launch of all time for a video game adaptation, beating the first Sonic, and was also Paramount's biggest three-day opening since 2014. The film franchise stars James Marsden, Jim Carrey, and Ben Schwartz. Sonic 3 will face competition from James Cameron's Avatar 3, which is presently set to open over the year-end holidays in 2024. Uh, of course, the Avatar sequels have been moved around numerous times. Uh, in a twinned move, Paramount also announced that its untitled Smurfs animated musical, which was previously set to open in cinemas on December 20th, 2024, will instead open on February 14th, 2025. But it's just mind-blowing to me that I remember, and good luck finding this original trailer, because I just tried finding the trailer to remind Ken what it looked like. Yeah. You can't find it on YouTube. They made that thing disappear. They made that thing disappear fat, harder than Thanos could. Uh, but you can't find that original trail. But if if you remember what Google it, what the original Sonic looked like from that original trailer and the collective Internet went, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Because it looked nothing like the character from the video games. And I realize the character has changed in height and stature over the years. But this is night and goddamn day from what the video games looked like, you know, that it, it made the studio turn around and go, OK, we hear you. We'll fix this. And they delayed it. They worked on it. They put I don't know how much money into refit to repairing the movie and making the character look better. And it's been a smash hit for them. So the fact that we're getting a third movie out of this wild. Absolutely insane to me. I still have not mentally gotten over that this is like a real deal. But I know here we are. All right. So for me, uh, we have to talk a couple comics first and then we're closing out with a segment that a lot of people have been hitting up me asking some questions and I'm going to try to decipher and everything best I can. So at the comic shops this week on Comixology originals first though, I got to mention that is the finale of cold iron. So cold iron number four by Andy Diggle and Nick Brokenshire uh, wraps up that magical tale and it is a very solid ending to it. So definitely had some stuff to say about it on parlay points. So if you're on Comixology originals and I highly recommend you do, you definitely want to go check that out. Also, we were given the early copy of, one of our favorite guests, uh, latest Kickstarter projects. And, of course, that's our guy, Alan Dunford, and Pocus Hocus number four. hey Yes. So shout-out to Alan and Will and Brian and everybody over there uh, and the whole crew over at Source Point Press because that's where it's now coming out from. So we did get an early screening of the Kickstarter phenomenon that did clear over $10,000 raising money for him. Super happy for those guys. Awesome people, and definitely the book is dope and does not disappoint in any way, shape, or form. So both of those reviews are currently up on odphpodcast.com under Parlay Points, so you definitely want to go check them out. And there's one book that is coming out that uh, due to the time that we are recording, I cannot talk about. Mm. But that's Power Rangers number 22. So obviously the charge to 100 is still rocking and rolling. Uh, I, I can say a lot of good things when you read the issue. 
I can't say anything else about it right now due to spoiler embargoes. Mm. But the Parley Points review for that will be up 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Wednesday. So depending on when you're hearing this podcast, you can go check it out and get the deeper thoughts. Also coming out tomorrow is a book that suddenly became very polarizing amongst the fan base. And that is Archer and Armstrong Forever number 4 by Valiant Entertainment. And Valiant had a very interesting weekend, in my opinion. So quoting the article from ComicsBeat.com written by Heidi McDonald, quote, Okay, as if Oni Press, Tapas Media, and Warner Brothers Discovery weren't enough, Valiant Comics is the latest company to be rumored to be downsizing. The situation isn't clear, but reportedly most of the employees have been laid off or work, and work has stopped on most series. Publisher Fred Pierce and senior editor Liza Hawkins changed their social media postings to indicate they're no longer working at the company, and but other confirmations have been hard to come by. The Beat has reached out to a number of sources, and one close to the publisher indicated that Pierce is still publisher, and Valiant will continue to release books, including Bloodshot Unleashed next month. So this is kind of a wild situation, mm-hmm. to say the least. And like I said, if you want to read on it, the article that Heidi McDonald wrote for comicsbeat.com is absolutely fantastic. Highly recommend it because she goes into a complete deep dive about the whole history of Valiant and what is going on. So it's kind of a weird situation Mm -hmm. that we don't really know a lot about. The only thing we know is word of this was all going down on Thursday Mm -hmm. last week as we um, and then Friday I received the press copy for Archer and Armstrong forever. Anything after that, I don't know. Yeah, there's been a lot of rumors, a lot of hearsay, but not a lot of uh, firm, concrete facts. No, there's a lot of crazy rumors running around the net right now. So it's really an interesting time to try to decipher what's going on. In in my gut opinion, I don't know what to think, to be honest, because Valiant is one of the comic companies I have always grown up with. It is one of the most interesting histories of comics because... It started out with the whole, like pretty much under the shadow of Image because at the same time it came out, new superhero universe, a lot of hype behind it. And then it just kind of, you know, had a good run and then kind of fizzled away in my opinion. Then it's come back in a different incarnation, definitely created a little buzz again, and then it's kind of like transferred into what it is now. I always say that they do put out some great quality books and I will stand on my soapbox and scream that. We've had the honor of doing press for them for over a year now. And they've been nothing but top shelf to work with. So I can't say anything bad about the people that I've worked with there. And I'm just hoping that everybody has a very positive outcome from this. That if this is true, that they're going to be shutting down. I hope everybody finds jobs very quickly. And I don't want to see anybody get put out of business, especially in the comic industry. Because I know that they put a lot of heart and soul into their stuff. So I'm hoping that the best possible outcome, if this is all true, is that... Somebody comes in, swoops things up, and reboots it and really kicks it you know, hard in the door, and everybody comes back, and we all put this back together. So what I will just recommend to everybody is stay tuned to social media. If we hear anything, obviously, we'll be resharing it and retweeting it. But I don't have any answers for the future of Valiant. All I know is we have a great comic coming out with Archer and Armstrong number four. If you haven't been reading the new series, it's been great. I really enjoy that series. And then if Bloodshot Unleashed is coming out in September like it's slated to, Definitely check that out. Book of Shadows just came out, so I'm assuming that that'll still roll out. As for the Ninjak series that was announced at Free Comic Book Day, I don't have any information on that one. But if I hear something, then I will definitely try passing along. Until then, go out and support 
all your local comic shops. Definitely keep them going. Keep supporting indie comics as well, too, because they're putting in a lot of work. So I'm just hoping for everybody, if they were laid off, finds work very, very quickly because there's a lot of good people out there that are definitely you know, going to do a lot of big things in the industry. So definitely go support them. Go support your favorite independent comic podcast, too. Shout out to our guy, Brian Wayne. Cheers to comics. Doing big things out there. And, man, just go support comics in general, period. That being said, Pad, the music you heard on this edition of the OTPH, is that a shout at the robots? They're fantastic people. They read comics. They read a ton of comics. If I want to find out more about them, where do I go? OTPHpodcast.com. Right on. Swing on over the music section. Check out everything going on with Shout. Everything going on with Second Suitor, who's got the big show, Suitor Slam 2, baby, going on at the X on the 12th of August. So more information on that. Go follow Tyler on social media. I know he's got the big match with Sean Carr tagging up Hey-o. against Garrett Holiday and Axel Lennox. So that should be a fun time at the X. Plus free music or music. Well, I shouldn't say free because you got to buy it in the door. But there's a lot of good stuff when you pay the admission. So you definitely check that out. Also support Tom Jolu, Yard Party, Floodlands, all the amazing groups that are here. Brian Wolf. The list goes on and on, but they're a fantastic, fantastic people. Parlay points. Like I said, new comic reviews are dropping. So you definitely want to go check that out. And like I said, we got a stacked lineup next week is looking like a stacked one too. I can't talk about it though right now. Wish I could, but I can't. But you definitely want to go find that out for your new comic book selection. So definitely make sure you're following the RSS feed. Definitely put that in your subscribe feed. Do what you need to because you don't want to miss out on that. Also, while you're at the website, check out the classified section, which has friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast, Dragon Master Games, Organizational Link Support, and Black Lives Matter. All the amazing pod groups we are in. So shout out to them. The directory, which, Pat, how many providers are we on now? 89,000. Man, growing up every single day. It's a wild time. But you know what? If we're not on your favorite podcast platform, let us know where we should be at, and we'll try making it happen for you. We have a whole list there. If you want to go drop a follow, subscribe, five-star review, boom, we make it so easy for you. I don't know how you've done it already, so please you know, make sure to do that if you haven't done it already. We appreciate the reviews. The T Public Store sale going on this week, so you want to get that ODPH swag, no better time. Just saying, start, seal, the sale starts Wednesday. See, I'm so amped up to talk about it. I just start stuttering my words. That's how real and live this is, folks. We do it live each and every time. But for all that and anything else that is the ODPH, you can be found at odphpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the only Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time.